Welcome to the Northeast Divide podcast. Uh, I'm your host, John Lane, and I'm joined by Anth, as always. Uh, and we're here to discuss uh, the two biggest clubs in the Northeast, Newcastle and Sunderland. And this is going to be a common theme, I think, throughout tonight's pod. Um, just want to thank you all for watching or listening, however you're taking this in, and just ask you to, to watch us all the way through. Um, and give us feedback. There'll be comments on YouTube and potentially with your podcast apps, but also you can follow us at Northeast Divide. Uh, we are available on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter and Instagram. So um, thank you very much for joining us. Um, so first things first, and God, what a week we've had as a, as a couple of uh, Northeast football fans. Um, three games, three wins, seventh heaven. We're both seventh in the league. Um I mean, what's your, what's your thoughts overall on um, the the result? Because I think going into the Stoke game, it didn't feel massively optimistic, you, you'd say? I, I did not. You're right there, John. Anyway, yes, as you say, seventh heaven, three good results. I think, was Bale listening last week with regards to when I said we were cumbersome and slow breaking forward, et cetera, et cetera? He's, he's gone on record and said that he's been working on that on the training ground and getting the ball forward a lot quicker. So we've got we've got the players to do it. It's the fact that it didn't look like it was being implemented sort of to start off with the last few games anyway. But he quickened up the pace on Saturday. And I mean, that's how I know we can play. Um, a lot of the players played to their potential. There was a lot of high scoring individual performances, your nines, your eights, which is which is great, but we just need to be more consistent. That needs to be week in, week out, especially in the championship. So a, a great result. Um, it wasn't great going into the match with regards to the comments being made about Bale, of which there were many negative comments. But again, I was of the opinion, and you were the same, weren't you, that he's got to be given a bit more time. And the, the atmosphere wasn't as toxic as I thought it would be on Saturday. It was actually a really good atmosphere, 41,000 plus crowd. So, yeah, he's, he's, is he implementing his style of play? Is he doing it slowly but surely? Will the players respond? Looking at Saturday's result, it's looking promising, and I hope so. Well, fingers crossed, Piers. Absolutely. Um, I suppose. I think. Um... Behind your back, that is, Johnny. What was that? Behind your back, that is, yeah. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, I think. Um, I mean, what, what do you, what do your ground hold? Forty six. You had forty one 40... there. Forty eight thousand, whatever it is. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and. Yeah, right. must must be some overtime on it, Nissan. Then um, no, <laughs> I, I think um, no, I think I think overall, I think you're right. I think um, it, it was a good result for you. So I think I think it was what you needed, um, and I think you're right. There was a lot of negativity going into that game, right, right surrounding. I don't think the manager's done himself any favors on that front either. By the way, I think he's some of the comments he's made about kind of, and it was very reminiscent of like. Newcastle and the Mike Ashley era and the Pardew where people were talking about the media was making this thing about this Cockney link and whatever and it wasn't coming from the fans but it was almost a narrative that became because I had to come up with an excuse as to as to why and I think he just needs to work on what he's doing at the football club to drive the performance and I think if he does that then you know I, I mean I don't know what his capabilities are um, but we'll, we'll see won't we um so yeah, so Newcastle, uh, we played. Um, so I don't know if you know, Ant. So where we were in the fourth round of the FA Cup on Saturday night. Um, yeah, and... Right. Thanks for yeah. <laughs> thanks for reminding us of that again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, 
obviously we got a we got a good win there. And I, th- I, I probably not a great performance from Newcastle. Um, I, mean, I don't know if you did you watch it. I watched some of it. Yes. Yeah. Thoughts from what you saw? A, a workmanlike performance, like you say. It wasn't sort of you know anything out of the ordinary, but you got the result. And at this stage of the season, with obviously league games coming thick and fast, you played the other night. So you know it's a quick turnaround. You did well to get the results, and you know I, I said it last week. You could be there or thereabouts the final, possibly this season, if not definitely within the next few seasons, and it could start a run a run, a run of trophy wins and kick start kick start there up the league. So we'll wait and see what happens. But that was a good result for you, as it was. No, absolutely. I think look, ultimately in a cup tie, um, you need the result, you need the win. Um, we hadn't won away in the FA Cup to a top flight side since 2004 against Southampton um won 3-0 um and that had actually broken a duck itself because we hadn't won won away at Southampton in like 30 odd years um could never we couldn't do it at the Dell but we managed to do it at uh St Mary's um so it's you know it's been 20 years since we've done that so that's quite it is quite a remarkable result from that point of view um and we we weren't were best but we did what we needed to do Fulham weren't great either um, and I think in a cup tie, ultimately you need to get the you need to get the win. You need to get through to the next round, get into the bag, and um, and then come out hot. And so we've got a um, an FA Cup tie, um, which is going to be played week commencing the twenty fifth or twenty sixth of Feb um, against Blackburn Rovers um, away. I imagine that we'll have a massive allocation. We'll probably get the whole of the Dar- um the Darwin End stand. Um, so um, it could be a, a really good atmosphere and it's a massive opportunity to get into the, the last eight. Um, and if you look at the ties, the way they are, like none of the big teams have like playing each other. So there's a real, you know, it'll be really interesting quarterfinals um, when, when that all gets drawn out. And I think at that point you're talking about who do you want to draw and do you want to draw an easy tie to get to Wembley or actually... If you if you're looking to win it, I think you want like Liverpool or Man City at home because you've got to beat yeah. them sometime. You're gonna to have to at some point get across them. And do I want to play them at Wembley? Absolutely not. You know, um, because you know it's like their second home, isn't it? Really, it's it's a case of I know what you're saying there with regards to the so-called minnows in in cup runs and what have you. Yes, it's it's an easy path, I suppose, to the final if you well, or thereabouts, but. Test your metal against the, the the big Premier League squads, and like you say, if 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 Man City, if you do get to Wembley and you play Man City or or whatever, like you say, they're they're used to that sort of ground, that pressure, that you know they've they've got that winning mentality. So yes, but yeah, I, I totally forgot you were still in the FA Cup. So thanks for mentioning that earlier on, John. Appreciate that. Don't worry, I'll I'll try and keep you on track with that because I know that can be. Um, I, I know your memory uh, can can go. Terrible memory. Aye. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, so um, talking about um, wins away from home, we played Aston Villa last night, um, and I think lots of people going at that game, myself included, weren't very optimistic from from a, from a Newcastle point of view, um, and we turned up. I think we had a really kind of professional performance uh kind of the way that we went about it i thought um you know i thought i thought we were excellent i thought we really got at them um we really attacked the game after we went one nil up we continued to attack which we haven't tended to do away from home uh we've tended to kind of go one up try and defend it and then end up falling away and conceding an equalizer or you know 
games like PSG, Chelsea, you know, just flooding your, your memory, really. Um, but when Newcastle go two goals up, usually they go on to win. So I think once we went two goals up, I felt really good about it. Um, we got third. I thought, right, well, you know, we're, we're, we're in a great space. And Emery made three changes, which almost turned the game. Um, but we managed to... Um, they got a goal. They then had a goal disallowed for a tight... It was offside, but it was incredibly tight, I would say, like, centimetres mm-hmm. um, between them being on and off. Um, and then we ended up um, managing the game. He brought on um, Livermento for Miley, and he, he changed it a bit. And... Um, and it's quite nice to see how do that because he's had a lot of criticism for not um, kind of being able to kind of do that essentially, not being able to um, make that in-game tactical change um, to make sure that you can you can hold on to the result. And some of it, you know, what it is the players will be fresher, um, no doubt. But we still had nothing on the bench. You know, we still had we now officially have no striker um, going into the last couple of days of uh, the transfer window. Um, so we are in yeah we're in a bit of a precarious position from that point of view, but a great result three uh, one at Villa. It's our first win in five um, in the Premier League. Um, so you know a bit of a, a turnaround in form from that point of view. Um, it was the first game that Villa have lost at home since February last year. So um, you know that's a it should be a massive confidence boost, and that's the thing you're talking about. Probably one of the worst away sides in the league against one of the best away sides in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. Did you did you see much of that, and and kind of what's your what's your take on it, and and kind of the result overall? I suppose I've seen the highlights, and it was a good win against a very very good side, well drilled, well organised. You know, Villa have surprised everyone this season, and um, the managers worked wonders. I always thought he was very unfairly treated at Arsenal, not given a, a decent crack of the whip. But um, he's 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 done really well. He's got them overperforming I suppose but a lot of a lot of my Geordie friends have commented on the atmosphere at Villa Park last night and throughout the season when they watched games and it's they said it was pretty poor last night so I don't know if that played a part or maybe the supporters felt a little bit apprehensive and you know like you say Newcastle were very well organized well drilled they, they had a game plan that they, they looked they looked organized everyone looked like that it had been drilled into them the role they had to play, and they played it very well, and it was it was a good a good away win for us uh, against a very decent side. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I was buzzing about it, and still like kind of pinching myself this morning that <laughs> we managed to go there and get and get that result against. You know, I mean, Villa that they're chasing Champions League, and you know, you wouldn't be surprised if they finished in that top four. Um, and I think I kind of I can't say I foresaw it necessarily. But I think there was a chance that they would be competitive. When you looked at the end of the season that they had, it was very reminiscent of the end of our season, 21-22. And then we carried and had that momentum to continue on and build in the summer and, you know, almost step up. So um, I thought Villa would be a handful this year. I mean, we've played them twice and beaten them on aggregate 8-2. So I'll take that. Um, so um, I think, that, I think well, we're, I think hopefully we're their bogey side. I mean... I mean that that works for me, but um, but no, I think in terms of the atmosphere, I think I would agree. It felt, I mean, obviously I wasn't there. Felt flat though for the first hour. I think um, when Emery made those changes and Villa started getting a little bit into the game, the the atmosphere, the home atmosphere, certainly picked up at that stage. They scored the goal, the belief arrived. They had that one chalked off for offside, 
and I think they kind of stayed behind the side probably until about the 80th minute. And I think they start to realize, hang on, this, this is going to be a big task here to get to get another two. And you know, our um, trusty back four, um, you know, the reliable four that that how does trust really did kind of um, settle everything down. I think and um, solid. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think I think bringing uh, Livermento on and putting him back there, and essentially he took uh, Bailey out, um, and because Bailey had just been running the show, and then when he had to then get past Tino as well, it was always going to be a big challenge for them. So, um, really happy with the result. I think we've um, done a cracking job, um, and we just need to continue really, and um, and you know get some get some really good results. Got got Luton on Saturday, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, Transfer activity, transfer window. How busy is it in Wearside? Not very. It's very underwhelming at present. The 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 fullback that was, I, I'm not even going to pr- try and pronounce his name because I can't. I'm terrible with my pronunciation. But um, the fullback that was signed, we needed that obviously with Huggins being out and Sirkin, who are big misses because you know they've been so unfortunate with injuries. Great, great players. Lot of potential, fulfilling that potential. So, yeah, he was on loan at Rotherham, and he was steady apparently. So I don't really know a lot about. Him. I know he's a former Celtic man. I think we've paid allegedly anywhere between one to one and a half million pounds from, which I think is quite a big fee considering he's probably going to be our third choice fullback, or I'm not sure what other positions he can play in. So other than that, it's gone pretty quiet on the transfer front from our end um, and not a lot happening. So a little bit underwhelming, but yeah, there's been some names bandied around again and we'll just have to wait and see. Um, clock's ticking though, isn't it? Yeah, I read um, on Twitter uh, today that um, Bournemouth said that Sunderland were too far away from Kiefer Moore in terms of valuation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think ultimately that that's probably going to be the case, isn't it? I think you know it, it looks it's one of those signings where fans look at it and go, "That's the signing that makes sense." But the board look at it with their budget and the spreadsheet and go, "Actually, that's not really one that we can do." Um, yeah. So do they pretend that they're going after it and kind of put in a low ball offer, um, or do they just kind of sit back and go, "Right, well, you know, we'll we'll see what we can do, but if we can't do it, we can't do it." You don't want to make the um, Chris Rigg mistake, do you really? Um, have I got that name right? Yeah. Will Grigg. Will Grigg. That's what I meant. Oh, yeah, me. you don't want to make the, you don't want to make the Will Grigg mistake, do you? And overpay that, for someone. Yeah, that that did not make for good viewing on Sunderland till I die. The panic buy approach. It was yeah, it wasn't good. I'm still scarred a little bit from that, and obviously his record was absolutely terrible. So we've learned our lesson. We've definitely learned our lesson and we've got, you know, a better structure in place when it comes to transfers and, you know, realistic and we're we're not going to splash out silly money, obviously. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. We, we do need a striker. We do need a striker. Um, we, Maybe um, Ibrahimovic on loan, do we think? <laughs> <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Bring him out of retirement. We'll have to wait and see. I don't know. I just think, yeah. But, I mean, I was very impressed with Bart on Saturday. He's coming for a lot of stick from certain supporters, which I've never quite understood. And he turned in an absolutely fantastic performance and obviously got his goal. And I thought, you know, well-deserved. You've proved the doubt is wrong. I've never had any doubts in my mind about him because he's he's a young lad. He's still learned his trade. And 
some of the criticism that's been aimed at him has been very, very unfair. And he proved the doubt was wrong on Saturday. So well done. Well done. No, that's it. And and ultimately, um, you know, I think like us, you're going to be stuck with almost the squad that you started with. Um, we're not doing anything. There's been a lot of noise around Wilson, around Almiron, around Trippier. Um, Almiron sounded like it was going to be quite close, but um, I think looking in between the lines, uh, the, the player hasn't wanted the move. I think the club could have made it happen. Um, but Almiron's very much no. I want to stay where I am. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not interested in going. I don't think how particularly wanted him to go. But again, it's you know, it, it's transfers by spreadsheets, isn't it? And and people looking at it and going, you know, if we can get this in, and this is what when we can go and spend and do something. But uh, the real the realistic thing is, is that when you smack a Premier League club with a ten point penalty, and then you take two more clubs and say you're out as well, and we're going to have to look at you mm-hmm. two. Well, obviously, one of those clubs has already had the penalty already, haven't they? So um, the rest of the league are sitting and going, oh, hang on, we need to be really careful. And it's just had this knock-on impact. Um, the rumour is there's about seven or eight clubs, of which Newcastle are one of them, where we're really t- like close to the line. Very close, um, yeah. And um, ultimate, I think the summer really for us is, is going to be the kick-on. But you also have to ask yourself the question, you know, we absolutely want to get into Europe, but... We're what nine points? No, eleven points behind Aston Villa. We are um, after after yesterday's win. So mm-hmm. that's a big um, gap to make up to kind of get in, back into the Champions League. So realistically, how different is it going to be if you if you don't get into Europe? You know, if you're going to finish anywhere between eighth and thirteenth, you know, like really, what transfer is going to take you to that next level? You're not going to you're not going to be able to make that gap up, are you? I was surprised at some of the transfer fees being bandied around for the likes of Almiron, who's done fantastic for years. I, I heard you'll probably know more than me. Twenty-one million pound, the first offer came in, or whatever, up to possibly thirty million. Now you you see him week in, week out. I mean, I've 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 witnessed his performances as well. Some of his goals have been fantastic, so I would think he'd be worth a lot more than that. But it all went quite on the trippier front as well. He he didn't want to move, did he? Because we, we were discussing this last week. We were thinking, you know, does he want to go by Munich, Champions League, aspirations, could win it, whatever. Are they still second in the Bundesliga at the moment, whatever. But obviously, he silenced it. He didn't want to go, did he? And he, he wants to stay. So, I mean, I've got my theory on this. I think that the club oh, have gone out so yeah here we go so <laughs> I think the club have gone out and they, and I think they're basically saying look you know if people are interested in our players we're interested to know what you think they're worth um, and I think that some offers came back and Bayern was obviously one of those um, I think if the club had turned around to Kieran Trippier and said look we've had an offer of 20 million for you and we're thinking of accepting it I think he'd say thanks very much I'm away Um I also think that when he hears that Bayern Munich are interested, he probably is considering that. Um, but I also think he's very, very good at um, kind of staying professional within all of that. He, he's been nothing but a consummate professional for Newcastle. He's been focused on Newcastle since he, since he signed for us. Um, and I've no doubt that that was also the case during this kind of period of speculation. Um, now, ultimately, the move's not happening. 
what's the point in him kind of, you know, what what else can he do now? He just needs to get his head down and and he was probably, you know, and he is happy here. Um and you know, I think that I think he I think he gets it. I think he gets the region and there's something about our clubs, isn't there? There's a there's a deep um there's a deep kind of passion from both fan bases and the club and how much it means the fact that, you know, you work all week to earn your money to then go and watch your team and um, and hopefully see them get the right result. And if the result isn't right, it ruins your weekend and ruins the, the rest of your following week. And if the result is right, it perks you up and it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and there is something special about this region around that. I think there is. Um, and I think, yeah, I think Trips gets that. Uh, but I also think that if he'd gone to Bayern Munich, he probably wouldn't have to buy in, uh, the Bundesliga at least once. Um, he probably has one or two cracks at winning the Champions League and he's 33, 34. And I think from Newcastle's point of view, if you end up getting um, an offer that you find acceptable, which was rumoured to be around about £20 million, that allows you, if you wanted to, not that they necessarily would, to go out and spend £100 million when you've already got his replacement in the building in Livermento. But I think Trippier also gives you so much outside of the pitch in terms of what he does in the dressing room and how he sets the tone and the fact that he's got that experience that it's it's very difficult to put a valuation on him. Uh, but fair play to the club. They haven't just looked at it like a PSR calculation and gone, this makes sense, let's do it. Um, I think they've they've done the right thing in all cases. You know, and we talk about Callum Wilson, you know, yeah, people would say, oh yeah, well, you know, he's injured half the time. I mean, he is. And I said that last week, didn't I? I said about how, how many mm-hmm. games he missed. But how do you replace double figure Premier League goals and how much is that going to cost you? You know, yeah. it, it, it's not an easy um, yeah. calculation. Exactly. The, the, and thankfully, it's not my job to work this stuff out. Uh, um, there's a guy <laughs> called uh, Dan Ashworth and another guy called Darren Eels who they pretty much have to work this stuff out for Newcastle. So fingers crossed um, they're ready for the summer because I think we can. I can realistically say now quite comfortably we're not going to make a significant sign-in or have a significant departure uh, before the window slams shut tomorrow. Um, mm. And I would assume for Sunderland, that's probably the same. You won't have any additional incomings from what I've seen. I think you're right. I think you're right. We're going to have to... I mean, we got to the playoffs last season without a recognised striker due to injuries, etc. We had Ahmad back then. Magic Ahmad. How I miss you so. Rumour Mill was in overdrive, wasn't it, with regards to... The little fella, the magician, but unfortunately, it's just not to be. I think we we were offering to pay not the majority of his wages, but a fair whack of it, unlike last season. And he his heart was in it, and he wanted to come. I know Borough allegedly came in for him, and then he said, "If there's one championship club I would go to, it would just be something basically. I don't want to go to any other championship club." So, yeah, I saw that quote. That's nice. Yeah, but I can I can dream. But back, with regards to Trippier, like you say, he gets the area, he gets the passion of the supporters, he's well respected. I thought the way he went up and, you know, fronted up at uh, Bournemouth with regards to, you know, the the the, the grief he was the, the team was getting, I thought that told a lot about his character and that's the sort of character you need on the pitch in the dressing room. And I think it rubs off that the leadership qualities young players look up to Players like that, that you know, they want to aspire to be as good as, if not better. So it creates a nice, challenging environment, but a positive, challenging environment. So, yeah, I think um, him staying will be nothing but a positive for yourselves. And with regards to us, I'm just hoping that 
we can hang on to Jack Clark because apparently there's two bids coming from Lazio now and one's been increased, so we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Well, let's see what happens with that. I think it's one of those where if, if the offer's right, the club will probably have to accept it, isn't it? And um, and it's a shame, really, for yourselves, I suppose, because you lose someone who's um, incredibly strong for you. I think on the trip, yeah, no, and the leadership, um, I don't think I appreciated how much of that he was bringing when he first came mm-hmm. to the club. Um, obviously, I'd seen him play for England and being a top player for them um, and be you know, a quality player for Spurs. Obviously, went on, won the league at Atletico Madrid. Um, and I wasn't sure what we were getting um in terms of in terms of the off the pitch stuff but um he's been incredible throughout and um you know that's that's it's shone through and i think that's been the biggest thing he's brought is you know apart from the fact that you know set pieces and assists and you know whatever else he's brought the last two seasons um you, you can't take away that dynamic from the dressing room and again really frustrates when people go oh but you know PSR and and, and you, you you have to sell and that'll and, and you do have to sell but mm-hmm. you have to think about selling the right people at the right time for the right reasons and it has to work and if you if you'd sold Trippier and Wilson in this window you lose two leaders two people who are in that leadership team um or that you know leadership group as as the club call it um and that's very difficult a message that goes to the rest of the dressing room because they're thinking, right, well, where do we look now? And and that could derail your season. So let's let's see how we go from here. Right. Tease we are Derby on Sunday. So right. I've got big question for you, and is this a Derby? To me personally, no. <laughs> it's it's when yes, geographically, you could say they're very close. But I'll be honest with you, I don't really get excited much by this so-called derby. The big ones, obviously, yourselves. So, How did so you do on. in the, the last one against us, Anth? I can't remember. All oh, right, aye. I was just about to mention that. Anyway, yeah, I mean, the build-up to that was phenomenal. I mean, the amount of... I've mentioned it before, the amount of messages I got from me, 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 me Geordie mate, me best mate who's a Geordie. Obviously, living in Newcastle for, for for eight nine years, I did, and obviously working in Newcastle with yourself, etc. And and you know, it was good banter. Afterwards, was a little bit tedious, like, but you know, there's a lot of people crawled out of the woodwork and sent us videos and voice notes and all that. But strange, regards, isn't it? yeah. Oh god, I got battered, honestly. But anyway, with, with regards to this one, I know it stirs up a lot of passion with some people, but to me personally, it's a big game. Don't get me wrong, it's a big, big game. Borough, you know, our record's not great down at their place, be it, you know, Essen Park or the Riverside. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the team turn out now we perform because in the past we, we haven't turned in the performances against them, I think. So down there anyway. So it'll be interesting to see, but I'm sure our supporters will be very vocal and treated as a derby. But me personally, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't really get overly excited about it like as in the game i will but the, the whole derby thing no not really it's an odd one i kind of so the, so that the analogy i use is um middlesbrough's like you know foghorn leghorn you know how you got the, yeah, yeah. Um, the little mad chicken hawk uh-huh. so i think they think it's a massive rivalry they think like newcastle's a massive rivalry <laughs> and they're like whereas like we're like no like, yeah we're not right. really that bothered so yeah i, I, I think that, yeah 
so that, that's kind of where I am with it. Um, mm. But it's funny, Middlesbrough, we've not played them since... I don't think we've played them since 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, because, oh. yeah, so we played them... So we both got relegated in 2009. Mm-hmm. And then we played each other in the championship. We got promoted. Uh, Middlesbrough stayed down. And when they got promoted um, in 2016, we'd been relegated. Ah, right, yes. And then they got relegated. So mm-hmm. we were like passing ships. Um and then they've obviously been in the championship since then, so we haven't played them in ages. But there was a period where we played them every, you know, we were playing them twice a year, and um, there was a longer period we played them like consecutively than we played yourselves. Um, but it never felt like Sunderland, and it never felt like the Derby. Um, to put it this way, I've stood in the away end at Middlesbrough on my on my old season ticket with a loyalty point, which I was never able to do with Sunderland. You know, so when you look at it from that point of view, it's, yeah. it's a massive, it's a it's a massive difference in terms of how it's viewed. Um, but it is one I think for Middlesbrough, you kind of half feel like well, I don't massively feel sorry, but like who who are their rivals really? Like who have they got? Leeds is probably too far away. Leeds yeah. probably their biggest um, derby would be Bradford, wouldn't it? You would have thought, uh, yeah. or Man United. Uh-huh. Um, so um, they're kind of stuck. On their own, looking for a rivalry because of, because of where they're not to be seen here, John. Yeah. Not really. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> but, one but, of me, go on. I just think one of my good friends is a, is a, a Borough supporter, and he's relentless with his banter stroke. I call it borderline abuse towards us when it comes to just anything in general. It's good character building stuff, and it's done in a in a, <laughs> in a slightly weird but positive way, I suppose. But the, the build-up to this, I know I'm going to be batting off text messages from him, etc., because he loves it. He absolutely loves it, and some of the banter is, is on his part anyway, really good, whereas I, I tend to just try and sort of, I don't know, brush it off, because, I, I, yeah, I am of the opinion that there's a lot of normally noise off the pitch with the rival supporters going into the ground. I've seen footage from previous years where they Baiting each other, and there's a, there's a few sort of ooh, fisty cuffs, I suppose, but uh, more verbals than anything. It's just you know they've watched too much of Danny Dyer in the football factory, so there's that edge to it, I suppose. It's more the build up to it, and then when it comes to it on the pitch and what have you, yeah, it's a game of football that I'll obviously watch and I'll obviously take a great interest in, and you know I won't be team to win. I'll be shouting at the telly, etc. But I just don't get the I don't get the the other derby thing because to me it's just not yeah no uh, well said well said i'm glad we're, i'm glad we're aligned that's good um i mean i'm just i'm, I'm just having a look at um middlesbrough's form actually because obviously we're, we're, we're going to go and preview that now really very briefly so they've had a really odd january actually so mm-hmm. they lost on new year's day to coventry at mm-hmm. home 3-1 um you'll but you'll know how it feels to lose at home to coventry yeah we um, do thanks, thanks for that john yeah, and they then lost it. Well, just wait for this one. I'll just come up with this. So they then oh. lost at home to a Premier League side in the FA Cup third round. Um, so they lost to Villa 1 0 at home. Um, and it was, I think, it was quite a tight game. I didn't see it, but it sounded uh-huh. like it was it was fairly tight. Um, and obviously, they've just lost their one of their strikers, haven't they, to mm-hmm. um, to, to Villa now. So that they're, they're not going to be in contention on, on Sunday mm-hmm. against you. They then beat Chelsea at home 1 0. Um, they then went to Millwall and won 3-1 at Millwall uh, four days later, or five days later. 
and then they drew at home to Rotherham, and then they lost six one away at Chelsea. And yeah. it they just feel a bit of a loose cannon team. I think like it, it's one of those coupon buster games where you wouldn't want to put it in your you wouldn't want to put that in your accumulator, would you? Oh, definitely not. Do you know what? Obviously, I watched the the, the second leg of um, you know the, uh, the cup and down at Stamford Bridge. And what what I was surprised with, I mean, was the reaction of the supporters because let's get it right. As football supporters, northeastern supporters are pretty fickle. You know, I'm not as fickle as I, I used to be, but we are. But they they really got behind the team at the at the end of the ninety minutes. They were they were chanting, they were singing. All of the players went down. Carrick, you know, I think the the behind the team and what the style of play is trying to implement, and I think. Carrick, he had there has been blips, there has been some you know dips in form, some strange results, like you say. But I think as a manager, I think he'll prove his worth. Obviously, the, the, when you look at his background, where he played, who he played under, etc., it's it's all in place, isn't it? And obviously, the the owner of Borough Gibson would probably stick through him through a bad run of form anyway, because you know he's not one for hiring and firing, so. Yeah, I watched that and I was surprised actually considering the, the batter and the took, how well the supporters responded. So, and I'm sure they'll be very vocal on Sunday, very vocal. Yeah, and I, I think the once again, I think I think this is a game that's a must win for um for, for Beale as well, because mm-hmm. he, that's all he can do at the minute is win get it. But I think we're almost in this trap now where if he wins, it's in spite of him. And if he loses, it's his fault. Um, so he, he cannot win. So um we'll see, won't we, how how, how that plays out. I think he's I think I think it it could be a really even game. He's certainly got a chance. Um, as I said, Middlesbrough form's a bit erratic. They've had extra games to play in the League Cup, they've just lost their star striker. Um, you're probably playing them at just the right time. Though these are all things I said before the FA Cup third round game. Um so who knows? But um, again, yeah, the 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 tease we are derby. Um, we'll we'll have to we'll have to see what happens in that one. Um, so Newcastle have got Luton at St James's Park um, on Saturday, who we've lost to this year already. We lost one nil, and obviously you'll know what it's like to lose at Luton after last year. Um, I mean, I mean, we've just obviously we've. And they had a great result last night. I don't know if you saw they they beat Brighton four nil. They were three yeah. two nil up after ten minutes. After ten three minutes, minutes. Yeah. yeah, it was it was absolutely crazy. Um, so do you think they've got a chance coming to St James's Park? Do you know what? Obviously, down there it's a very tight pitch. The crowd are on top of it. It's not the biggest of stadiums. Obviously, it looks into people's. You can see people having a bath and hanging the washing up, can't you? From the UN and whatever else, <laughs> I don't know. But I just think. I think they'll they'll come they'll they'll they'll, they'll give it a good go, but I I think they'll win it. Uh, I think last night was a, like a fantastic result for them. Brighton. Thing is with Jason Stealing goal, I can never quite quite sort of trust Brighton because uh, obviously oh, of course yeah, yeah he he wasn't great for us but you know so yeah it was a good result so. It depends what game plan they use on on Saturday. They're a very physical team, aren't they? So if they can frustrate us for the first however many minutes, who knows if they can frustrate us and obviously quieten the crowd down, who obviously are very vocal. We'll, we'll wait and see, but I can't see anything but a home win. 
we are very good at home. Um, and I know we lost at home at City, we lost at home at Forest recently. Um, and the other team we've lost at home this season's middle, uh, Liverpool. Everyone else we've beaten. Um, and we've we've looked like pretty comfortable doing it, to be fair. Even we, we didn't play great against Fulham like middle of December. And, you know, it was never in doubt, really. Chelsea, um, back end of November, Man United just after that, you know, I think, you know, we just, we tend, we tend to beat the teams that we, you know what I mean, the teams that you should beat at home. Um, Forest was an exception. We were very poor on Boxing Day. Um, but take that out of the equation, I, I kind of tend to agree. I think it's a comfortable win. I'd like to say 3-0. Um I mean, God knows who's going to score goals, though, because I think Isaac's injured his groin. Um, Wilson yeah. might be back. But there is word that Willock and Barnes might be on the way back very shortly um, and might have some involvement. So the idea of Barnes being able to come off for the, come on for the last 20 minutes to give someone like Miggy or Gordon or Murphy like a, you know, a bit of a rest, um, that'll help. Um, and that's something hopefully to look forward to. So, um, yeah, I'm optimistic. I think, you know, three points for us. Um, did you predict something for um, for your game? Oh, me me head says one one, but I think we might sneak it two one. Hmm. Interesting. I think we might sneak it two one. Yeah, uh, and that'd be a good result for you. Um, as you said, you um, you're at that top end of the the champ. Well, you're in seventh seventh heaven as we are. Um, yeah. And you know you're only a point outside the playoff places, so you know I think it's it's going to be a really competitive championship as it will. The top nine of the Premier League looks pretty competitive this year, mm-hmm. um, but we're going to leave it there. So anyone who's decided that they were going to watch us on YouTube for the first time, thank you very much for watching. Um, thank you to everybody who's listening on their free pod channels as well. Uh, we really um, appreciate all your support. Again. Please follow us at Northeast Divide on Instagram and on X, uh, formerly Twitter, and uh, just leave us any feedback and we'd love to hear from you. We hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you very much and goodbye.